0: Welcome, everyone, to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. Today is an extremely special show because we have our former colleague, special friend, and, you know, a physicist with us on the show who turned into a developer, and he's no other than John. How are you doing, John?
1: I'm doing well, former physicist,
2: and thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) We get to bring a smart guy on the show for once
0: for once people were tired of listening to us talk so
2: okay uh, people he can get fill sick the of... gaps between my rocket league explanations which uh, are gig get... in this episode
1: <laughs> don't worry people get plenty sick of me talking all the time mostly on okay. dates
2: this is the perfect show for you then
0: yeah next time on a date you could just play this <laughs> wow that that would be a new low <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you make through this make it through this, you and I are compatible. You know? I think
1: I think if they make it through that then <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll just Maybe do I that. don't maybe I
1: don't want to date them. <laughs>
0: Either way it's a good test. It's like the pickle test, you know? You just have to figure out what are the oh you don't know about the pickle test.
2: I don't. Know. I do oh. not. You're olive. the only one in here. Yeah, and you're the <laughs> it, weird one. It's
0: <laughs> if you guys hadn't seen How I Met Your Mother, it's not my fault. Oh, no, it's called uh, the Olive Theory. Sorry. It's when one person in the couple likes olives, and the other one doesn't. And
2: okay. that's a
0: perfect couple. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of cool shows, let's talk about any cool stuff that happened to you this week, or generally, you would want to mention. Why don't you start us off, John?
1: Uh, I learned to brew beer A friend of mine does a lot of home distilling and stuff And the chemistry of it is all pretty fascinating uh, I also learned that a yeast infection in beer brewing is a real thing And a bad thing So that makes me think twice about drinking my friend's beer To be to be honest
2: Yeah, I was going to uh, ask if you sampled any I
1: have not, nor do I plan to
2: I suppose, yeah, uh, it's, if you know that much about how the sausage gets made
1: if i know how much my how my friend makes his sausages put it that way <laughs> uh, i also learned how to draw isometric piping diagrams for home plumbing uh applications if anyone out there knows free software for drawing isometric plumbing diagrams i'd love to see it because i couldn't find any
0: <laughs> MS Paint?
1: i've been using libreoffice draw with an image in the background of an isometric graph paper like that's how that's how uh, janky my setup is at the moment
2: uh, that's commitment. It is commitment
1: it's you can't find a plumber these days they're all busy for the next two months
0: <laughs> wait so what happens someone's like bathroom breaks in the middle of night
1: then you pay emergency uh, fees and that is real unpleasant. <laughs> I'd rather teach myself how to be a plumber than, than pay that. All right, that's
0: fair. Anything <laughs> cool for you, Nathan?
2: So, I do, actually. Whoa, oh, is it Rocket me- League? It is. That's why I got so happy. <laughs> uh, so the next season of Rocket League was announced, and I'm so excited because I've had nothing to put on in the background while I work. Uh, and so I'll be able to throw on some Rocket League here in, I guess, a week or so. Probably by the time this is out, I think the, the season may have started. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And they announced a bunch of cool stuff. They added some new um, regions. So the Middle East region is now included. They're planning on doing lands again for the first time since early 2020. And a bunch of cool stuff. The prize pool is up a bunch, so very exciting. It was almost exclusively positive reaction, which in a video game subculture is essentially unheard of, so uh, good stuff there. And then, because this is also interesting, cool, and frustrating, I have a frustrating thing, which is also somewhat laughable. I booked a flight to Ontario to visit my family uh, on Sunday, and so two days later, I received an email first thing in the morning that said, your itinerary has changed. I was like, "That's fine. I don't really care," and I expected that because it's three or four weeks out. But it changed and said, "We changed this flight to this new time," and there used to be a hour forty five minute layover, and they bumped it by two hours and something. So the flight now leaves before or arrives after the next flight leaves, and my itinerary diagram even shows like you have this flight, and then it's not connected like it's supposed to be, because it's impossible, and then there's the next flight, and then there's a little dogged line that shows, I was like, what do you expect me to do exactly? This is not a possible itinerary that works. Uh, So I'm gonna have to actually call a person and talk to a real human being and see what they're gonna do about it. So I'm hoping it doesn't end up with them trying to charge me a bunch of money for something. But uh, yeah, that that was my experience with finally booking a flight after a couple years. Not perfect so far, but hopefully it works out to be nothing.
0: Wow.
2: Oh, and my wholesome pick, because I do that now. So, a while ago, I stumbled upon this channel called, it's by a girl called Brooke Johnson, and she has almost no subscribers, it just was recommended to me one day. And I watched one of her videos, and it is her learning to longboard and it's incredibly adorable. So I am putting that in as my wholesome pick. Uh, I haven't watched it since I originally watched it, so I'm hoping it isn't just like me in a weird mood that day and it's actually a terrible video. Uh, but we'll find out, because I'm gonna rewatch it after this call, because that's how you do recommendations. Yeah. What about you, Gan? <laughs> do you have anything cool? I heard that you have nothing going on in your life. I, I don't, uh,
0: but I have some things that are considered mildly not bad. Uh, I did think of a cool thing, uh, which is I finished Star Wars, the Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, okay. The game gets significantly a lot more fun near the end, which always sucks because you're just sad to finish it. Mm. Uh, by the time I actually got engaged in the story, started enjoying everything, the twist became more fun. Fights became harder. Um, the game just ends, it's, and it's very obvious. You know you're like walking towards the end boss, um, just when you've acquired most upgrades and are doing good, um, which is sad. But it was a cool game. I hope to see like I don't know a remake or a continuation of the story. Uh, and yeah,
2: is it one of those games that has no end game? Like once you're done, you can't play anymore.
0: Uh, I don't know. I just, actually, yes. Uh, yeah, because I, I always, after credits on those games, it sends you back into the world, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: In this one, no. In this one, after credits, you're just thrown back to the main menu.
2: No, that's such a shame.
0: Yeah, because I would have loved to, because there is this whole mechanic in the game where you can travel to different worlds and explore. Mm-hmm. So it would be a shame that I've now acquired all these upgrades and I can't travel all these un- you know, discovered galaxies, but whatever. Uh, maybe they can fix it.
1: You can't go beat the level one boss now that you're Darth Vader or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Darth Vader also shows up in it, it which is really cool because I didn't know that or see it coming. Uh, and he's way too OP. Like, yes, we know he's the most powerful, whatever, but uh, even in the game, he just yeah. ruins pretty much everything. And he's basically a waterbender because. Their lair is like underwater and you basically to escape him, you open up this barge so that a whole bunch of water comes at him and apparently none of the dark side people can swim, which is a really convenient (laughs) thing in the game. Uh, Anytime you're fighting somebody and they're really annoying, you use the force to push
1: them into the water and they just die. So, so it's like the opposite of the witch burnings is if they can float if they if they, if they survive <laughs> yeah. drowning it means they aren't evil exactly. as opposed <laughs> to the the people in Salem that were yeah so yeah
0: and so yeah at the end basically you open up this barge and he's using the force to like just control it while he slowly walks back and you're like oh cool this is convenient um, but yeah they don't expect you to fully fight him you can't there's no way Uh, Yeah, but that was kind of cool. I enjoyed that. And then on the little bit more technical side, I did a lot of Bash scripting this week. It's been been a while, and the only thing I remembered that was great about Bash was figuring out how to call other Bash scripts that were written properly by people who know what they're doing, (laughs) and then I just make scripts that somehow connect those easily. Uh Uh, But this time I had to be one of those people who would have to know what they were doing, um, which is slightly frustrating because you don't get as much freedom as you get with like Python or any other actual programming language. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of cool. It's like, it's what I imagine people get some sort of power trip using Vim as their code editor. Uh, as who would do I, that? Who would do that? Posers,
1: only posers. <laughs> There's yeah,
0: the crazy people, kind of people out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that was cool and fun, and this, I enjoyed it. Is
1: that. this
2: like a personal attack or something?
1: <laughs> oh, oh do, do, do you use Vim, Nathan?
3: Tell us no. about it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've exactly met three people in my life who use Vim so far, and they all have anger issues, so this is pretty great. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> but they were all...
2: You know, very smart developers. So yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take the pros and cons. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all that happened to me this week. Um, but yeah, it sounds like between yeast infections and <laughs> uh, really bad ma- mismatched flights. Uh, people aren't doing QA as much anymore. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, you know, leads me into introducing our, our guests a little bit more. So from the world of academia and being a physicist, John worked as a QA developer and is now a software developer. Um, and before I get too much into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, John? Uh,
1: okay, so from age about... 18 until 30 i wanted to be a physicist a theoretical physicist because you know you impress all the ladies at the bars by telling them you're a physicist right yeah uh problem is after doing a master's and then chugging along through a phd program for about three years uh you realize there's no jobs at all um experimental physics has has slightly better employment opportunities but when you're in academia, you, you meet all these people who are in their, like, 30s and even early 40s who are just jumping postdoc to postdoc to postdoc. And, you know, you you get the job wherever you can get one. So it might be in uh, Canada one year in in Australia the next. It's a very unstable life, which doesn't really match with my uh, personality too much. Uh, so... Left academia, Um, if I'd been in experimental physics, I would have had much better coding chops, much better uh, uh, statistics, much better uh, data analysis tools. But because theoretical physics is all this weird abstract math, I pretty much had to start from ground zero. Uh, A friend got me a job as a QA at the the company they worked at. And then I chugged along there until I finally was able to get to be a developer. Definitely wanted to go that route. A lot of the people who have QAs try and push you into more of a BA track, but being a business analyst is not something that particularly interests me. Uh I like I like solving technical problems and eventually I was able to chug along and become a developer. So my life in a nutshell.
2: I thought you were we life were there in a for nutshell. Yeah, so
1: yeah, Nathan was one of my first uh, technical mentors. Um, uh, that's why you wanted to say job so badly. <laughs> More, uh, you know, it's that it's that good mix of we'll explain stuff to you if you're blocked, but if you bug them too much, we'll chase you off with a stick. <laughs> so, you know exactly what you, yeah, exactly what. You, if someone's just gonna solve every problem that that you you come to them with, you're not gonna grow if. If they just yell at you and you're terrified of them, <laughs> you're kind of gonna get stuck get stuck as well. So,
0: yeah, that's why I think I had the best seat in the house because I could just like look at his face and be like, okay, is
2: he approachable right now? And then I'd like come talk. <laughs> what, what is this episode? What is it like...
1: <laughs> and, uh, You know, counterpoint. You get to look at his face all day. So that, <laughs> that's true. That's uh, worth, worth it. That's worth at least one
0: raise right there. That was a pretty big plus.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, the, I can see now why it's the best seat in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, when you first started working as a QA, what were your initial thoughts about the role?
1: Um, this is my first uh, professional role. Like I, I'd, I'd taught before, um, but in a, working an actual company environment, so there was, there was adapting to that, which is. You know, academia and private sector are quite different, so there is definitely a bit of that, you know, just learning how to work in a company environment, um, how to follow proper corporate culture. Like, we, were at, we, I was at a startup first, and so it's pretty chill, but compared to academia, it's a different set of rules, so different social structures. So that was something that, you know, it takes time to, to get to your feet. Um... Not too bad a learning curve because it's you know QA can be a technical role but can also be a non-technical role of literally just you know they throw you at a at a new uh, deployment and say break this and I'm good at breaking stuff <laughs> like that's that's uh, and, and you know they, they were able to guide me along a bit more into the coding side of things like in okay well this is bash scripting this is how you here's the list of commands you need to run. The project locally. Here's the list of commands you need to do this. Not a lot of um, interpretation on my end. Mostly it's just okay. Well, just getting comfortable with the environment, getting comfortable with with Git version control. You know those those bedrock skills you you want in software development. Um, frustrating though, because most places don't want you to grow past being a QA. Like if you're a decent QA, if you're good at catching bugs, if you're good at writing uh, automation tests, that's a skill set a lot of places don't have and they don't have to pay you too much for. So if you want to be a developer, like your value to a company as a junior developer is is often less than as a senior QA. (laughs) So I've known a lot of people, myself included, that sort of got pigeonholed in that role. And like, you know, you, you work hard, you do, you get good at your job and then when you want to sort of shift it's sort of uh, swimming upstream and often like i had to change companies to 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 really pull it off so so that's that's my experience as a qa it's it's a good intro to tech if you haven't done tech in hindsight i probably would have done like a startup um not a startup uh slam uh I was reading your mug earlier Nathan <laughs> I, I probably would have started a, done a boot camp or something and just like this is how you'd be a front end developer <laughs> and just just spent that 4 or 5 months doing that or, or something but at that point in my life I'd just come off 10 years of school and I was sick of school <laughs> and uh, so I, I just decided I'm going to try self teaching and eventually I got there probably would have ended up been faster to to have done a boot camp or something
2: yeah, there's always the, I have mixed feelings about boot camps in general, but I think if you are trying to transition from QA to dev, that honestly could be, especially if you haven't spent 10 years beforehand doing school, uh, that could be a, a really good time to do something like that. Um, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea about boot camps and think, oh, they're the way to get a job. I think if you're already in the area, like you're doing something like QA, you're like, alright, I just want to get that push into a different section of the company that I'm already, or area of the industry that I'm already in. That could be a really strong way of doing it. But that said, you're just fine without that. So I think it, it worked out well. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on, though, that I think is, is notable that you pointed out was when you're good as a QA, people want you to stay as a QA, and... It's very true, because it's like if you get somebody who's motivated and good at doing their job, everybody's like, oh, thank God, we found a good QA. Please don't try to be something other than a QA. We need you to keep breaking stuff, so that we don't ship broken stuff. Um, But then, of course, if you have further aspirations, and that's what made you good as a QA, it gets you stuck in this this little uh, box, whereas, at the same time, that's where you're most useful at that given moment. So it gets a bit of a paradox.
1: Yeah. yeah it, it's funny, first party I went to since uh the big C, I'm noticing the meeting seems to have stopped.
2: Yeah, so I I've realized that the reason why is because I'm not the host I don't I don't own that meeting room. So we can just
1: keep talking.
2: I can yeah, I can keep, keep talking.
1: So like literally the first party I've been to since uh, before COVID was uh, was last week it was a friend's birthday party, and I was chatting to someone there who worked in project management, and they were saying like, yeah, we had a QA who left. Same reason I left was they they wouldn't let them transition. Like not not this person's choice, but literally everyone I know who talks about QAs and who's has a story of someone who wanted to get out of the role and they just couldn't, and so they lost them at the company. So. It, it seems to happen a lot.
2: Again, do you have anything to add before I just dominate the conversation?
0: No, no do it. You have, you have good questions. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think. I was more thinking about the boot camp, and I don't know if I want to like, hijack or take the conversation in that direction. But yeah, I generally also have a little bit of reserved feelings towards it.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I think it would be a good thing to do once you've been in the industry a little bit as well. Uh, But again, I could argue against that mostly because my biggest qualm with um, bootcamps is I don't think they teach basics. So you come out knowing how to develop something. You come out knowing how to build an app, but you don't know how that app is interacting with the machine underneath or how the code is working or how any of these connections work. You know how to get data from an API. You don't know how API works. (laughs) or how the internet is, you know, and then when you have to debug these things or figure out why you can't send other people your local host URLs, those things become problematic. (laughs) 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 Um, So that's just, yeah, it's always a thing that's always in the back of my mind. Uh, So when I, uh, when, so maybe that would be a good thing, I guess, if, you know, you learn all these basic things when you're, you know, getting into your developer job or, Mm Getting all these basics learned while you go and acquire the skills you need to develop from whatever course you're doing, uh, while building up your base at your job. Uh, maybe there's a balance there. I'm not sure, but but yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's. It's funny you, you describe it that way because that's sort of what I ended up doing to to finally transition. Because well, this was while I was working on on both on your and Nathan's team was. Uh, doing the QA during the day for the, the forty hours a week and then doing about ten hours a week of Udemy courses of people with various accents explaining how you build a React app and, and like uh you know some Russian guy explaining this is what an API is. <laughs> and, yeah. and uh like that's but that was very much, you know, me burning myself out for a period of about six months <laughs> before uh before our Scrum Master uh said why don't you pick up some dev tickets? <laughs> and for that, I am eternally grateful to her. So,
2: <laughs> Yeah, what were some things that you started with? You, we've covered the broad strokes of like, yeah, did some QA. Everybody kind of knows the gist with QA. You even said it can be technical, it cannot be technical. But when you moved into dev, where'd you start? And were there any things that seemed to be quick wins versus things that you maybe wouldn't redo, given, the, given what you know now? Oh, uh,
1: good question. Um, yes, I knew I'd I would eventually. I I'd say the the first the first thing that 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 helped the transition was, I I started working on test automation and testing uh, frameworks. Like you know, at, I think we were using Selenium back in back in the day. Yeah. Uh, now everyone uses Cypress because that's the, the new shiny. But <laughs> but. Um, A good selenium test like you've got to string together like i i think there was like uh some upload download features that needed to work for our site and getting that to to all work together in a in a test environment is not trivial um and there was definitely times where it broke where it wasn't it was the test that was breaking not the code but just just playing with that did give sort of a good holistic view of sort of of what a web app is uh, i didn't have the faintest clue what the heck was going on under the surface or what an open shift was but it it, it got me coding it got me committing code into the repo it got me receiving code, code reviews it got me not taking the code reviews personally uh, you know again again all important technical skills that aren't maybe that aren't like a specific language. Um, For transitioning into a more dev role, um, I was lucky on the project I was on in that I knew I was going to be on it for about six to eight months. And that meant I could focus my mini courses on our tech stack. So we had a React front end uh, with Redux Store and we had a Python Flask API, I believe. Mm -hmm. I didn't really even know what an API was at that point. So it's it was okay. Do a Udemy course on Flask API, and there were some courses that weren't terrible. Uh, you couldn't really do much once you finished them, but you at least knew the language. Um, that was probably you know 10, 20 hours there, so a couple of weeks of work. Uh, then there's some React courses that were quite involved. Um, that was probably about you know 40 or 50 hours total. You know you work through you work through the examples you. For udemy it's nice because they're saying okay well we're going to code this so give it a try you code this and then they go through it and so as long as you're not you have to be an active learner like if you just sort of oh i'll just follow along the videos and listen that's not going to work you have to you have to struggle with trying stuff that's not that you're not going to get right off so like, like if you just sort of you, if you don't try the exercises, you're not going to master the course material. We all, we've all, we all done some kind of schooling uh, with a technical <laughs> field. I mean, in, it, it was like that back when I was doing physics. If you just sort of read an article, you didn't retain anything. But if you worked through some problems with it, you get some functionality. So it was all like there was no complex coding. It was more just learning the frameworks so that I could contribute to the project because then you get to do the actual job and then you get to actually practice your your skills in the real world and not in a sterilized simple project from a from a web course Mm -hmm. so uh, things i wouldn't do um before i got settled on the project on the, the project i was with you guys there was uh like it was at a vendor company and there were a lot of projects that I was bouncing around being a QA on and I would try and sort of pick up the framework from each one of those projects and when they have you on five projects <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna work. Like it's it's too much split focus. If you wanna pick one thing at a time, right? It's otherwise you're just gonna get overwhelmed and discouraged and drink a lot. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, I, I make a similar comment. I don't remember what the topic was of the episode but I mentioned how at one time I would base what I wanted to learn next on what I was seeing in a lot of job postings, which is a real bad idea because they, <laughs> they just throw anything in the job posting, whether it's used or not. Uh, and so if you're using that as a, as a metric for, oh, this is what companies are looking for, it's probably not even true. And I know that more than ever now, uh, <laughs> but at the time I didn't know. I just thought, oh, look, they're all mentioning Angular JS. I guess I should learn that. Oh, they mentioned React and Node.js. I guess I should learn that. Meanwhile, if you were to actually go there, chances are they use some library wrapping node. They might have legacy Angular code that they don't want you to touch, and they're trying to transition to React. It's like, that's a very different story. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't need to be an expert in any of these things.
0: Yeah, I can, I can say for a fact, uh, nowhere in any of my interviews or job postings did it come up that I'll be doing as much Ruby as I'm doing lately. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> this is good. Strong through line in the last few episodes. <laughs> as much as I uh,
0: despise the stupid language, uh, it would have been nice to know it's coming so I could brush up on it. Uh, but yes figuring out what the market wants uh, is not a good way uh, figuring out what you would like to learn as a concept is the way to go on tech uh, which is what I usually tell anybody who is trying to like get started I'm just like find an idea or an app you'd be interested in making um, and then just build it do a their list application a calculator uh, to do whatever Um, not a duck feed app, uh, but (laughs) whatever it is that gets you interested enough that even if you use it, like when I built my first to-do list application, uh, I used it. I used it for weeks until I was like, okay, this is boring. I don't have a cloud sync or whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that would be too much investment trying to build a cloud sync on it. Um, But it was cool and I liked it and it gave me a really good introduction into TypeScript, how how Redux works, how I can like do client-side versus service-side storing and stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely very, very good point that John has brought up that, you know, I just want to reiterate, uh, when you're following through any online courses, especially in tech, um, yeah, follow along by not just watching the video but also doing the item or else it is not going to stick.
2: Yeah. What are you working on now, John? What sort of stack?
0: Um, so I, I
1: jumped into public service. Uh, so BC government in this case. Um, and that sort of like right now I'm working on a react strappy app have been for the better part of a year and it's, uh, developers have come and gone on the project. Um, I'd say the more interesting aspect of the code that I've been that I've been I've learned a lot about the past year has definitely been more on the uh, on the DevOps side of things. I'm definitely not an expert DevOpsian, or I'm not again, but I <laughs> I I finally got over sort of that learning curve of you know storing your configuration as code, not getting intimidated by three hundred line YAML files, and sort of you know it's it was very hard to pick that stuff up. But a big part of my job these days is, um, honestly, debugging uh, Caddy files in in uh, in OpenShift hosted apps. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's you know there's there's sort of the the meat and potatoes of oh we need you to add this page to our React site or um, you know you need to configure a new content type for Strapi or um, my my app is not talking to the database right can you manually add a user uh like there's some sort of maintenance type things uh but a big chunk of it has just been okay you've got to maintain this project you've got to uh fix the this fix this sort of aspect of the project that keeps crashing um and that's more on the devops side uh it's, it's not where i want to stick like i want to i i do want to sort of pivot a bit more towards data science things so i can leverage all that fancy math that i spent 10 years banging into my head but mm-hmm. but for the most part these days it's it's you know working on various react apps
2: um yeah, i was gonna ask if you had sought out this sort of opsy role or if it just fell in your lap
1: it fell in my lap it's uh, i I mean, we've all been, we've like, the project we all worked together on was on a, a Gov project, and they've got their own, uh, they've got an implementation of OpenShift for hosting and not enough people who know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's a lot of people who can pick up React, but the learning curve for OpenShift, in my experience, is, is frustrating, and it takes time, so if you put in that time, it's sort of like the QA trap. <laughs> You're more valuable to them <laughs> fixing fixing their DevOps stuff <laughs> than than you might be uh, coding a React app. Like it's 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 sort of been and it's there's also the fact that we're in in a weird time right now. At least uh, you know government. It's, it was all this big transition to work from home. Uh, I think. BC Public Service handled uh, handled the the infra the uh, the tech side of things relatively well for a for a government uh, for a government entity. Like there's there's been bumps along the way, but they seem to be doing the right things in a digital environment, which is part of why I've stuck around as long as I have. It's they do some interesting interesting work. Um, but yeah, that's I I won't lie. I'm I'm looking at the next project now and being like, okay, well. Is this going to be something that interests me, or do I have to, you know, hop teams? Because they, they do some—they do some quite cool stuff of uh, of machine learning. They do—they do. There are projects that tackle things like uh, data science-oriented from a technical side. So it's more an issue of I have to stand up and and look for those roles. Um, and most most people I've met, uh, you know, directors and managers and stuff are. Are happy to encourage you to do that um, like it's it's definitely they the structure is different than in the private sector but most managers want you to be engaged in your work that I, from what I've experienced but I could have just been lucky <laughs> so who knows sorry that was a bit of a rambling
2: answer <laughs> no that's fine uh, yeah. that's I this was entire just...
3: podcast really
2: Exactly, it's about a a forty-five to ninety-minute ramble session. Uh, But I was just surprised because even though you know you and I have uh, chatted a little bit since we worked together, I'm still surprised to hear that that's your primary role right now. Because it's uh, having gone obviously QA to I remember you being like, "Yeah, I'm grinding out this React course. I'm working on that." uh, To I'm being a YAML doctor. It's such a different. Such a such a different process than I would have expected. Yeah, I was going to mention that's the
0: official term for DevOps people on this channel. <laughs> we call them YAML doctors. Yeah.
1: You, you mean I can finally get someone to call me doctor?
0: <laughs>
1: that's
2: all it took, John. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know do it for going to school.
1: I, I should have grinded out those last two years of my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just
0: you, once you've edited a thousand YAML lines of code, uh, your YAML
2: doctor.
1: Oh, well, hashtag blessed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things you mentioned in your transition from QA to dev was writing Cypress tests and that sort of thing. I'm curious if you came across the job title of QA automation engineer or anything like that and had considered it or didn't really notice it as you were making that transition because we have a, ah. the reason I mention is we have a QA automation engineer on my current team, and having her has been so good. Because she actually spends all her time thinking about things like how to automate test processes that I then don't have to spend as much brain power. I can just look at what she's done and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I can, I can do that too if we need more hands on deck, uh, versus having a bunch of devs thinking about features and then occasionally thinking all right apparently product wants me to automate some stuff let me do that
1: so i'll I'll be blunt i never went out looking for qa jobs uh after my first qa role at the company before the one where i worked with you guys i was like okay john wants to be a developer john doesn't have that skill set but john (laughs) wants to be a developer uh and so i i sent out you know many many resumes occasionally had uh had uh, recruiters reach out to me and then promptly disappear when they realized how green I was, and so that's why I'm always resentful to recruiters, because well, no, I mean it's it's when I genuinely needed help getting a job, it it was better luck next better luck somewhere else type thing. So I never explicitly looked for QA jobs. Uh, I landed my second QA job completely by chance. You know, friend of a friend is like, hey there's this company in town, they need QAs. And I'm like, okay. And even when I when I got hired there during the interview process, I was very clear, like I'm hoping to transition into a developer role within the, uh, within the next year. And in the end, I had to go somewhere else for that. But I was very upfront about that. And they did provide opportunities to stretch my legs as a developer. I might not have had the title, but I got to work as one. Uh, So I never really paid attention to QA job postings. It's, uh, maybe that makes me not a great QA, but I didn't want to be (laughs) (laughs) like, like I, I worked hard. I read articles on how to QA stuff, how to automate stuff, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But my driving goal was to move away from QA, not towards being a better QA. um, if that makes sense, I have definitely met a few people who made the transition from developer to QA. And in my experience, those are those are the guys, uh, gender-neutral guys. Uh, those are the people you you <laughs> those are the people you want being your QAs because they they moved into that field on purpose. It's not because they weren't. It's not because they couldn't hack it as a developer. It's because. They they were IT professionals. They were you know in some cases senior developers and they're like I just like testing. I like designing tests. I like this automation framework, and that's where they decided to focus. And it was a conscious decision. It wasn't, well, you're at the bottom rung at this company, so you get to test our app, and <laughs> like, well, I mean that's I've have seen a lot of places that do it that way, and yeah. and the fact that people who come into it as a as a experienced development I'm like no i i like testing i like breaking other people's code i like uh it's you know it's it's borderline being a site reliability engineer in some aspects because you're you're dealing with load testing you're dealing with you know you can even you can even branch into more security related things like if you've got some basic uh white or black hat hacking you can use that to 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 test out the site so, I mean, with with your manager's written permission for that one. <laughs> uh, Why you? T- how do you? How would you take prod down? No, uh, Tim said I I could do the, I could run these tests. <laughs> Tim says he's never heard
2: of you, so. <laughs> As it turns out, yeah, we failed the penetration test. <laughs> uh, we might we might need to do a backup and restore. Sorry about that yeah i mean just
0: as a side note though you don't always so long you also know to recover you don't really need approval and that's just really me justifying my behavior at some of the (laughs) things i've done uh (laughs) where i would intentionally hit the production to its limits um to break it and then be like oh i guess i gotta fix this uh (laughs) and make it make sure it can scale Um, but uh, and it's really fun i i definitely I don't know if there was, like, some sort of... If if the role of QA didn't involve as much documentation as it does, uh, I think to some extent I would have liked to go into QA as well because I love, 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 love figuring out every single
1: way I can break an app. There's there's the unfortunate side effect that senior QA jobs also don't pay particularly well. Yes, yeah. Like, it's it's a necessary role that just doesn't doesn't pull in the same salary at least it hasn't in my experience um maybe that's changing but you know money is still a thing and
0: yeah i think that becomes on the skill set level of things right like if if as a senior qa and yes there's a lot of like companies because a lot of smaller to mid-sized companies don't invest in qa uh, mostly because they're just like all right we've spent all this money on development uh, production is our QA. Customers will tell us if things are wrong, and we don't need to do it internally. Uh, whereas with some of the bigger companies I've seen where they do value QA, it's uh, yeah, they try to pay them similar to devs, but their QA also have those skills of development uh, because then it becomes a skill set tree, I think, where if anybody can go through a code or app and try to break it and document that that's not as valuable as, okay, can I make this a repeatable process that can cover many aspects of the app, maybe somewhat automatable as well because of the code. Uh, Yeah. So maybe there is some like Venn diagram of the most successful QA's are a hybrid of QA and Dev because it's 2020 Oh wow! Yeah, it's twenty twenty one, and full stack. Apparently, you know, any kind of dev job now just means you can't be specializing in one thing. You gotta have hybrid knowledge of most things.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, what's man. the uh, what's that what's that buzzword? They that no one actually knows what it means is uh, you gotta be cross functional.
2: Oh yes, cross functional teams. Oof. So that's good. my. It
1: that's means my everyone favorite. can do everything. Everyone can do everything. I can be a designer. I can be a developer. And if I can't be all those things, we've failed in our digital approach.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Worst case scenario, I become a customer and get fired. So I... <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah. Or as oh. we say in Amazon, you've been promoted to a customer.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's do, really... Do
1: strange. they actually say that?
0: No, no, no. It's just a running meme in our memes channel where anybody, they're like... Oh no, I might get fired for this. They're like, "Well, no, no, you're just being promoted to customer." <laughs> Cuz there's a pretty good chance they are a prime customer.
2: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Statistically speaking.
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: I was just waiting for Nathan to go ask more questions.
2: Yeah, well, I was <laughs> I was trying to not jump in and to it. Speak, keep keep dominating the conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, you're, yeah, you're YAML doctoring. You're trying to get back into React work, or you've—actually, no, you, actually know, you I, already said data science stuff, and you talked about machine learning, which yeah. that is notable because of the people I know who try to do machine learning stuff, you're the only one I know that probably has the chops to do that sort of thing. Uh, and I'm curious if you've actually played around with it at all or if it's just sort of a conceptual like yeah That's an area I might look into
1: I'm I'm have started doing a basic certification course in it. It's Currently on hold because I have to renovate a bathroom Uh, which, uh, yes, which the is the important
2: you... things that physicists do
1: Well, <laughs> it's it's keep my roommates from murdering me, but <laughs> It's a, it's one of those things where it's like it's it's just extra time after work, right and so I put that on hold for a few months, but it's, it's also one of those things that's a little discouraging because so from the ecosystem I'm looking in for machine learning jobs, it's in uh, in government, it's actually a pay cut to go from a, a web developer to a, a data scientist. Like the, the way they classify, cause it's all unionized. All these jobs are classified if I, by uh, by numbers. If I were to go from my current uh, seniority level, like a, uh is 24 or whatever even if i jumped up to an is uh research officer 27 a data scientist it'd be a pay cut like it'd be a few thousand dollar pay cut a year which isn't much but it's it's still kind of frustrating it's like it's a lack of respect for the the role like like you've increased like because going up to like a a 27 means you're going to be supervising people you're going to be uh, you know, helping maintain multiple projects type thing and it's a pay cut. and that seems just absolutely insane to me. <laughs> so we'll see where the where the data science goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I as I mentioned, like I, I like the math behind it. I've, uh, I've done some playing around with it with the courses, just sort of basic intro to data science stuff. Um, the one thing I' the thing I'm going to be pursuing next is the statistics aspect of it. Because it's that's sort of what under like being able to being literate in stats is is an underlying math skill for it. Um, then it, when you get into the machine learning, I believe under the hood it's a lot of uh, linear algebra, yeah. which is which is something like that, that's that's the aspect that I I know very very well. Like it was what was underlying most of my well, no, like most of my research used a linear algebra framework and. You know, calculating eigenvalues and eigenvectors, and and, and things like that, and, and uh, doing ten, tensor uh, tensor mathematics, which is all this stuff that is quite complicated mathematical concepts that you can then code up quite effectively in uh, in software. So that's that's the direction I'm hoping to go in with it. It's uh, we'll see. Like I might have to leave uh, leave the public service to focus on that just because of the pay scales involved and you know that's that's not nothing it's if you want to be able to keep growing right Mm -hmm. um so it's it's definitely something that is well i mean you know to, to go back to react when i was learning react it was kind of like pulling teeth it was it was very very unnatural to me um like trying to figure out how all these files and boilerplate code all fits together now that's pretty no i mean that's that's a, that's part of the uh, thing with front-end frameworks there's a lot of boilerplate yeah i um, was just
2: i was laughing because all i could picture was you first thing you do is just look at like a webpack file and just be like why why is all of this <laughs> like this <laughs> I, cannot,
0: <laughs> I cannot express the amount of frustration i had <laughs> of jumping from like reducers to everything to figure out how exactly is the data coming from the internet call and getting processed? Because <laughs> when I jumped into frameworks, I came from the background of uh, you define a script body in the HTML element, you <laughs> fetch the data, you, you know where the network request is, you know where the response comes from, you await async that garbage, you get the data out, and you dynamically update the HTML elements. It was all in one place, it made sense. And then, yeah, you have to not go through, like, seven different places of being like, oh, this is the model. This is where the data comes in. And then the actual API request is just, like, hidden away somewhere because, oh, no, we can't have whatever those things are called that I've forgotten now
3: that actually the dispatchers
0: and stuff. Yeah, um,
2: let's be super clear. Yeah. Redux is hot garbage, and I wish it was never made. But at the same time, (laughs) we've... We've fixed a lot of stuff since then, I shouldn't say we, but like the front end community has fixed a lot of stuff and the patterns that I'm using on my current team, which is why we came about initially when I said that. We've moved into the new patterns of modern React and everything does go together in one spot. You've got hooks, you can look at it and be like, that's the URL path we're calling. And when did it get called? Oh, it gets called every time these parameters change. These parameters are passed into the function as props. You can see them right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you get back some values from your uh, async hook. You inject them into the JSX, and literally your logic and your display code is all right in the same spot. So you go from having to jump, like you said, through reducers to different files and touch 12 different files just to pull one new value from an API response to going, all right, it's a slightly bigger file, but it's all in one place and human brains seem to work a lot better that way.
1: Agreed. But from, from the perspective of that was my experience at learning how to do, to be a front end developer, when I opened up some basic data science textbooks, the stuff was just, it was a language I already spoke. Right. So it was one of those things where you could pick it up with, the, with the mathematics background and the physics background, I was able to just open up these books and it's like, oh. This all makes sense like the 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 math they use makes sense the the reason they make those decisions makes sense um so that's why like that's a, that's the reason I actually enjoy doing some data science in my in my free time just because it's it's comforting
2: <laughs> where in in contrast, every six months or so I'm like, all right, I should give this machine learning thing a try, and I do the hello world with teaching a algorithm how to detect different handwritten words or different flower petals and I'm like all right I did that now what and then I go to read something get very confused and decide it's not for me (laughs) and move on and then six months later (laughs) I try it again so I've done that about four or five times now Uh, so I'm glad that there are people out there who have the opposite reaction because we need people like that doing the things that apparently my brain wasn't made for (laughs)
0: <laughs> I was also thinking uh, about uh, the thing you said, John, about the pay cut, where it, yeah, in like, in scenarios like those, it's not only just, you know, you're getting paid a little less. It also means pay is a big part of how talent get, gets acquired. So then they're probably not acquiring the right talent in that industry. And then that also means you don't get to work with people who would be interested in that sort of stuff. Uh, organically so yeah for yeah for any really field if you are really interested and you don't think they're paying what the market pays it might be better to find a place that does because you'll find people
1: who are just as ambitious about it as you are so my my concern is that that is market pay and that developers are just valued more than than data scientists and the reason why is because okay if you're a software developer They need you to build the websites that make our economy run. There's a lot of uh, academics that, like me, just bombed out of academia. Uh, Some of them did it after they they finished their PhD. Some of them did it after they had a few postdocs. Some of them did it after they taught for a while. But we churn out way more highly trained academics than we actually need. And... They're pretty desperate for work, so you can you can you can get PhDs in statistics and just not pay them well because there's a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 just one of those things that it's if, it's just if, a skill set that they know they can. Th- there's not a shortage of people who have this skill set.
2: So here's what I've it's, learned so far today. You've taught me that everybody needs to go become plumbers right now and stop their freaking math education because we don't have enough plumbers and we've got way too many <laughs> <enough> people.
1: <laughs> I, honestly, if, if any of my nephews come to me, it's like, Hey, should I go to university or should I do a trade? I, I kind of like plumbing. I kind of like electrical. I kind of like do the damn trade.
3: <laughs> or, yeah, I mean, honestly,
1: a... I, I consider that's... web development a trade. It's, you know, you build stuff. Mm hmm it's it's more technical and it's not i'm not saying that as a slight to to web development it's what i do it's a trade and it's a heck of a lot more useful than my degree in physics (laughs) but sorry i cut you off nathan
2: oh i was just gonna say that my brother is a welder and he hasn't been out of work since he became a welder, <laughs> <So> <laughs> he's uh, he's staying busy. So at least for the end of one example, uh, doing something like that has treated him well through everything that's happening with companies laying off people over the last couple of years. Mm. All right, Gann, do you have anything else for?
0: Yeah, I actually our am curious about guest? a little uh, in the past, uh, John's dark, dark, mysterious past. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to get a little bit more light shed on uh, the, the decision of the transition to tech. Like, yes, one of the big factors was you wanted something with a higher employment rate, but something about tech must have appealed or like something about tech would have intrigued you or I guess even an alternate way of asking would be what are some of the things people, let's say, are in academia and would want to be like, okay, maybe I want to dip my feet into this whole tech nonsense. What would be the like process there?
1: Do, do you want the cynical answer or do you want the... <laughs> the Whichever c- comes
0: from your heart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am by nature a cynic. Uh, the, the, the cynical answer is I needed a job. Yeah. And I did not have... In my it, it like it's one of those things we when, when you talk to a lot of people in well for example data science they're like oh you've got you know a graduate degree in in this don't worry you've got a lot of like you know skills that that, that people wouldn't have off the like you know that just a developer say wouldn't have and part of me is like yeah but if I don't have those developer skills I'm completely bloody useless like it's it's I've got a lot of quote-unquote potential to have a to be a good developer to be a able to be a good data scientist or do these complex math problems, but I don't have the marketable skills. So if you're trying to apply for jobs, just getting your foot in the door with no experience in, in, in private sector, you, you just, you need to come in and you need to be able to you know, put food on your table. And for me, that was, that was QA work and eventually development work. Um, it was something that I had some basic coding chops from, from my academic background. And I did not have say plumbing chops or <laughs> or electrical chops <laughs> like it was it was it was literally I had bombed out of grad school I was incredible you know if I'm being a tad Frank I was quite depressed and I didn't have a very good image of self-worth for for my for what I could contribute to society so I was literally I need to do something I have no idea where I'm going in life. <laughs> This is something that pays a salary, so that is the excessively frank. On the slightly more motivational side, <laughs>
2: uh, that's what we're here for. Game wants to be a yeah. So, so that's that's
1: that's like uh, that's that's on the purely you know. I didn't want to starve. <laughs> yeah. on, on the on the more technical side, on on the less uh, not technical on the on the the less you know, bleak side. Uh, you know, I did have coding skills. I I did have good math backgrounds um, and I needed to find a way to leverage any of that to towards a career. Um, and there are aspects, for example, if uh, there's a lot of sort of boot camp type programs for people who, if you've got a PhD in an academic field, especially if you've got a stats background or uh, any kind of data processing background, they'll be like, we will train you to enter the... Uh, the private sector with that. Uh, that's a that's a very good route to take if you're coming from an academic background, if in hindsight, that's probably what I would have done if I had to do it all over again. Um, but there's also the fact that it's it, the, the same things that that appeal to me in academia, the the solving complex problems, the being able to that satisfaction of, of solving some kind of problem that you get presented to. That is something that is present in my current job. Sometimes it's, you know, debugging why this thing is crashing. Sometimes it's as simple as, you know, the CSS is not behaving the way it's supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 that's a much, you know, people are like, people might laugh at it because CSS is CSS, but, you know, sometimes just having a problem like that and the satisfaction of solving that problem, that is something that deeply appeals to me in, in a software setting. Like in software development, you get to solve those problems. You get to use your brain, like bash it against problems. And that's a big chunk of why I went into physics. And it's a big chunk of what keeps me engaged at work is like, if it's, if, if I find myself doing too much of just the churning out uh, react boilerplate, for example, I get bored. Mm-hmm. But if you give me like a fancy problem, like, Hey, my app crashed and the people, the, the, uh, the vendors that we hired to make it aren't taking our calls. Uh, can you get this thing running again? That's a fun problem. It's a challenge. And and that's something that if, you know, the type of personality that goes into doing a PhD in physics or any kind of graduate degree tends to be a little bit of a masochist for that kind of a problem. <laughs> so so that's the non-bleak side of, of getting into software from an academic background is that you do get these problems that, and, and the thing that I do prefer vastly over academic is that you aren't isolated. Like, especially in private sector, your scrum master, your managers, your team, they want you to be moving forward. Like, something simple like stand-up, where you check in with your team and be like, hey, I'm blocked here. Any ideas? That's something that very few people in academia actually use. So it's... a. A lot of it's very good for like that mental exercise so that's that's the non bleak answers you get some interesting problems that keep your brain occupied <laughs> mm. and
0: that makes sense and you said you had some coding experience can you share how much because usually people have this whole thing built up in their head that they have to like you know know a lot of tech going into the tech industry <sighs>
1: I, I would say I'm on the other side of that. I was like, mm. oh, I've got plenty of coding experience. Then they go into the tech industry. And I can't do, can't do anything. <laughs> um, I so there's there's different branches in in academia. Um, if you're in sort of like experimental physics, you'll do a lot of like um, you'll work with a lot of data, and that can be incredibly technical because you know there's problems in academia of I need to transfer this enormous quantity of uh, this, you know uh uh telescope data of pictures, and I need to transfer those effectively and process this data and that's that's a very complicated technical challenge but on the other end of things, you have me banging away on Fortran code and and you know that was originally written in the nineteen sixties uh so it's it's not exactly a useful language it it my like my technical level when i when I entered software development was you know, I could do, I could do for loops, and I could, uh, I could do some, uh, you know, MATLAB processing. But none of these are highly sought after skills, unless you're getting into some very niche areas. So I was, I was, I could write, I could read basic, uh, basic code, and I could write some simple stuff, but nothing more complicated like that. Like even, even like, um, even y- using something like recursion was a fun concept to me when I first transitioned into into software. Like I was
2: You, you can't just bring up recursion for a gang without warning like that. He's going to start crying. There's a good thing we
3: done a video on.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I mean, I'm not going to lie. That was a little bit on purpose. <laughs> I mentioned recursion. But like but like any any I had very very low level coding skills. Um and I had to build those up. So I still can't, you know, sort a list properly. <laughs> or I'd have to look it up. <laughs> type thing. No one can, John. You you use the programming
0: language and you say list dot sort. That's <laughs> that's why people smarter than us have written libraries.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like the imposter syndrome is a thing. I do not think I had imposter syndrome. I think I was just an imposter.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you were just too good.
1: No, no, the opposite. <laughs> I, I was, I was shit, and I knew it. <laughs> but uh, no, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this. <laughs> no, can yeah,
2: yeah. does it sometimes. It's fine. Yeah. But
1: but no, it's it's one of those things where imposter syndrome is a thing. People keep. Whenever I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm secure about this." Oh, oh, that's imposter syndrome. It's like, and in hindsight, no, that wasn't imposter syndrome. I really had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like I
1: finally sort of feel like I got, like, I got my first dev job just, uh, just about two years ago now. Wow, COVID time, weird. Uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> it was like about about four months before the event, right? Uh, And over that time, it took about a year before I finally felt like I had my feet in the tech world, like where I didn't feel like I was an imposter all the time. So it was it was a long transition period for me before I felt sort of comfortable being a developer and comfortable in my skin and comfortable with my technical opinions. Of course of course now someone's gonna point out, well, no, you're actually wrong ninety percent of the time, John, you're just more confident about it. <laughs> I, I think that's the growth though.
0: <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> mostly just mostly seem confident enough that people are like, Yeah, maybe he's on to something and then I'd be like, No, I had I had no idea. I just <laughs> if you say enough things with confidence, people
2: start believing you. Yeah, and then before me. you
0: know it you're the DevOps expert at a company. <laughs>
2: Yeah, just choose wisely. Don't do that with JavaScript. It's a bad idea. <laughs> oh no, you're, you'll
0: forever be my JavaScript expert, though.
2: No, I don't wanna. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's uh, all yeah, I any, got. Any question you have, Nathan?
2: No, I'm I'm good.
0: All right. Uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, well, I don't want to keep John for too long. Um, but yeah, uh, I I guess before we get into the final segment. If people want to reach out to you and talk to you, where how can they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, through you
2: guys. <laughs> All right, so hit <laughs> us up, so and Gyan. then we'll hook you up to John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, message GAN. Don't message me. It will fall into a black hole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then John can tell you more about black holes. Uh... <laughs> From speaking of, you know, messaging me, um
2: I actually could not turn that into a segue, so we're gonna throw that away. Uh <laughs> that was a good try. I appreciate you know, the effort. Next time I, try to do better. Yeah. Speaking of that, what that, are you gonna do better? Um let's talk about what I've been doing better. Oh fine.
3: You
0: know? Living in the past. Well you gotta look at the past to go to the future. You gotta take okay. two steps back and then run away the other <laughs> way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so on on doing better, uh, or uh-huh. did better, I guess, um, finished that game. I, I counted as a doing better, because then I have less distractions now, because my mind constantly won't be like, you should play that game before you forget all the controls, and then you have to spend twice as much time doing it. <laughs> uh, so that, that was good. I'm probably not going to start anything anytime soon. but. I do have the Mass Effect Legendary Edition that I'm really looking forward to playing. Um, posting has been going well. Our Instagram engagement is up. I'm actually quite enjoying the process of scheduling a bunch of things for the next week. And then randomly morning, I'll get a notification being like, oh, this account posted an update. I'll be like, cool, that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so that's sort of fun. Finally started reaching out to guests for the show. Thank you, John, for being here, and I'm very happy um, that I've been wanting to do this for a while, so doing that, I think I did better uh, than we were doing in previous episodes, because it was just Nathan and me talking, and, you know, no one, I think there's enough of that at this point.
2: Uh, (laughs) More than 30 episodes. More than 30, so more than 30
0: hours of just us talking. Oh, wow,
1: Um, you guys have done 30 episodes? We've done 30. Congrats.
0: You're episode number 39.
1: Oh. That no. congrats. That's a lot of episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just mostly us ranting about things, but it, yeah, it's that's our
3: the therapy. Point.
0: It's
1: cheap. I mean, it's I mean, 90% of the internet is people yelling about stuff. So
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, and then on doing better, uh, I'm going to continue the posting now that I've mostly, I think I'll definitely have one for every day of September. So I'm going to try to keep this going until uh, December. Uh, see if I can have one every day for the whole year. Uh, Got to think of other content ideas uh, because there's only three templates right now and I also want to get into reels, but I don't want to be in front of a camera. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that works out because apparently you can upload pre-made videos. So we could, we could probably do something with our clips or find some, I don't know, something. Um, I've been meditating well uh, now I'm on a 26 day streak I think Uh, so that's good because usually I used to break that every weekend Um, yeah and then gonna reach out to other guests so that people can get other people's smart opinions and life stories that are not us Um, yeah yeah what about you what you've been what you did better but you're gonna Dude,
2: continue doing better. I had so much stuff.
0: Oh my uh, God, you oh are the best now, best bro. Nathan ever.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> just always, always going up. I so I did some stretching, which was on my do better for this past week. Now to be fair, I did not do enough stretching, but I did some, which was better than none. So I'm counting <laughs> that. So that'll be in my my continued effort to do more stretching. I. Uh, So I was going to do a bunch of research into finding new places to live, and based on reading many posts on Reddit, apparently you just need to walk around Vancouver if you want to find out what places are available, because they don't post them online. And uh, that seems to be true, because everywhere I went was fairly old postings, or nobody got back to me. So uh, if I do decide to go... Vancouver I guess I'll just have to sleep on your couch and walk around town during the day looking for places with for rent signs
3: yeah
2: yeah I did so I did too many interviews I get like seven interviews in the last week and technical? no they were mostly okay. HR screenings I've done one one meeting with an actual team member and uh, Part of my do better for that for this coming week is to just reject a bunch of interviews because these are too many Uh, I was thinking anybody who messages me in September I'll just take those interviews and that was a horrible filtering criteria because (laughs) I took a lunch I went for lunch with a friend last Thursday and came back after my lunch hour and I had six new emails from recruiters and I was like this is unsustainable I can't be doing this so I, uh, yeah, I'm going to hard reject a bunch of them, especially the ones that are really bad at their job, like the ones that called Telmedic instead of me, uh, and then canceled the, the <laughs> interview. I was like, you, you asked for my phone number, I gave it to you, and then you called my employer. What is wrong with you? So yeah, people like that, I'm just ignoring them. And uh, the big thing that I started doing that I hadn't planned on doing, but... Than too, was I started tracking my macros for the first time in years, and I found out that uh, part of the reason why I couldn't get as lean as I wanted to was uh, because I was eating like 1,400 calories a day of just rice, uh, and so I don't know how I did it before. I guess I just must have been super active, but yeah, I had to cut out some of that rice because that just wasn't fitting in anymore, but... This should be a fun challenge because I haven't tried to get properly lean in years, and we'll see how that goes. So I'll be trying to stick to that. I'm sorry, you're not properly lean. Yeah. Uh, No. You. you For for the
1: people who uh, for the people who aren't don't know Nathan in real life. (laughs) (laughs) He's like two percent body fat. No, like, See,
2: you're
1: looks, gonna get you're gonna give me body image issues nathan stop complaining
2: <laughs> it's not a complaint it's, it's just i've never i haven't committed to a, a an aggressive cut in a long time so i'm trying it uh, okay moving on I, i'm going to start looking at this is for do betters now i'm going to start looking at international relocation options and job opportunities again uh, because i was doing that pre-covid and then COVID happened and I bailed on my offer uh, to go to Switzerland, so I'm going to start that again just because I'm, I'm done with uh, not traveling. And so look into those options again. What else do I have? Oh, and I need to decide if I actually want to do anything about this inkling I have to just pick up some completely unrelated part-time job or volunteer work that's somewhat social because... things are real boring right now I just live by myself work by myself and need to be around other human beings so thinking if I had something that wasn't staring at a computer screen I could either volunteer it or do it very part-time something like that but I'm not sure what that's going to be yet it's just something I've been playing with
0: damn I I feel like there's a place where there's a lot of that going on Um, it's like like a ferry ride away from where it, you live. Does it
2: rhyme with <laughs> Kernaby?
0: It does rhyme with <laughs> Kernaby. or Vancouver if you really
2: <laughs> Yeah I, All right, well, I'm keeping that in mind. I mean
1: I know people who are desperate to fill jobs for security personnel if you if you want to beat people up for a living.
2: <laughs> yeah, just a little manly beating people up. It's
0: the whole reason you've got buffed, don't you?
2: Yeah, just to fight people.
0: Yeah. Uh, to be
1: fair, you're not certified, so you wouldn't be allowed to actually lay hands on people. But you can tell them where they can renew their drink tokens. So,
2: oh, perfect! I don't <laughs> want to fight them anyway, so this is a much better deal. <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to contribute to the segment, John, or should we just wrap it up?
1: Oh, uh, sure. So, what's what's the what are the rules?
2: Essentially, each episode, we just recount anything that we said we were going to do and whether or not we actually did it, and then commit to some arbitrary thing that we say we're going to try to do better on.
0: Yeah, and for you, it could be a little different. It could be like things you've been lately or even in the past few months trying to do better on or things you were like, yeah, I actually successfully did better on that. And yeah. Uh,
1: Okay, I've got a couple. Uh, Let's see. So the past couple of, the past month really... I've been doing a lot more consistent work on my place, thus the learning basic plumbing stuff mm-hmm. and sort of tackling a lot of problems that are very intimidating because it's like, you know, if, if you don't know how to, you know, repair drywall, even getting started is a bit paralyzing and I've gotten a lot better at just saying effort i'm just starting and 90 percent of the stress about the job is just in your head like it's it's not hard to patch drywall it's just you have to get started and get practiced at it uh so that's something that i did better um something that i need to do better so you know first thing i did during covid was build a home gym and i've used it religiously until up to about a week ago when i decided to take a break so i've fallen off my uh my workout, uh, my workout spree. So I should uh, get back into that in the next week or so. Start, uh, start jacked and tan over again, and get jacked and tan.
2: A jacked and uh, tan master plan. So that lives again.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that'll be my do better and to head it off. No, I am nowhere near as lean as Nathan. I am. Uh, <laughs>
2: no one is
1: more more bear shaped than he is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, you'd make a better security personnel anyway. I just. Especially uh, especially fully dressed to just look like a little little human being. Not intimidating anybody.
1: Yeah, just get some mirrored shades. That adds like a foot to your height. Does
2: it? Oh, alright. It well, makes I know you look like I'm buying tomorrow.
1: People, people act real different around you when you're a security guard with the, the shades on than when they can see your eyes. It's
2: really weird.
3: 100%. Okay. It's 100%, the muscle glasses
2: effect. Yeah. If either of you know epic meal time.
1: <laughs> uh, not really. All right, fair
2: <laughs> enough. I tried.
0: But cool. On that note, we'll we'll wrap this episode up. Uh, yeah. Thanks for your time, John, and for coming and telling all us uh, all of us about all these things. If you're, a, if you're a listener who's into academia and want to make your life better because apparently that's a thing, uh, do it and <laughs> tell us about it so that we can tell John he changed lives.
1: That's right. Yeah. And if, if you follow my advice and things just go tits up, uh, I claim no responsibility for that.
0: Yeah, they don't even know how to get to you. So <laughs> <laughs>
3: just yell at me. Well, they'll, they'll have. <laughs>
1: Exactly. They'll they'll have to go through you first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: their actions are their own. (laughs) Yeah, we take no responsibility. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Thanks for having me.